At the age of six, I learned the ugly side of humanity. My country, Bosnia, was in the process of ethnic cleansing. All Catholics and Muslims in the small region were being systemically killed and wiped out. I didn't know why we were being killed. How were we different? What even was a Catholic, Muslim, Christian? Why does that matter? Before I knew it, my mom, brother, and I were able to escape to a different country, but my dad wasn't as fortunate. My dad was captured and placed in a concentration camp. We had no idea what was next and no contact with him for almost a year. Thankfully, the Red Cross was able to get into the Serbian army-controlled camps and start keeping a record of the prisoners. This record deterred the Serbian army from murdering my dad and many others, even though he was pulled into a firing squad. He wasn't unscathed mentally, emotionally, and what he witnessed lives in the recess of his mind and still causes night terrors to this day, but alive nonetheless. It's been 29 years now. I've seen the likes of Croatian Catholics, Christian Germans, and now the USA all stand up for us and offer help. These are all the countries that were a saving grace for my family. I am here because someone stood up and saved not just us, but many others. I'll never forget what happened, but I did forgive. Without forgiveness, I will be forever chained to that pain and a mindset of a victim, which I know will lead to resentment and hate. I choose to forgive because I want to build a better future for my generation and the generations to come. I choose to be an upstander because protecting, speaking out for, and standing up for human rights is the only way to ensure that change happens. Being disruptive and not complacent is how change has always occurred in our human history, after which things always seemed to move in a better direction. We've come a long way as a human race, and I believe it's the race we all need to stand up for and fight. My name is Adina, and I am a life coach, a health and wellness coach, and I'm also a mom. Hey everyone, it's Adam. I really loved what Adina had to say about how we've come really far as a human race, but we need to continue to stand up and take care of others. And during the pandemic, one group that has continued to stand up and recognize the humanity in all of us during this hard time are the frontline workers. So, this next song is a tribute from Kevin Arnsman to all the people out there that are continuing to move the wheels of society forward. This is Kevin Arnsman's Frontline Workers.
Yeah, Dina, we're so excited to have you with us today for season two of The Voices of Idaho. Because this season we are focusing on being an upstander. Those points in our life where we decide this is who I'm going to be. Because we recognize that being an upstander is a choice. Just as some may choose to be a bystander, others are choosing at this moment to step up and to speak out. You've shared in your story the background that influenced who you are today. What do you find are your acts as an upstander? Uh, we recognize that being an upstander is a call to action, but the actions can look very different person to person. So what acts are you taking? So I would say definitely the first act that I knew or that I've always taken is to stand up for what I believe. And human rights and just injustice in general has always fueled this passion and, and this fire in me where I, if I see injustice being done, it really, I mean, it definitely like makes me angry because I can't, you know, I, I can't stand it when it's happening, but obviously there's a, you know, deeper reason and it's my story. Um, so that's, I guess that's the first, um, especially with today's events, I've taken a stand um, for humans, just for, for humans who deserve our help right now. Um, but then the second is definitely educating my son. Um, so just educating is, is really what I've taken um, because I feel like being forceful doesn't help anything. And so I, I would say education, standing up and education are my two top ones. You know, in our Faces of Idaho, our poster series that we display in the Idaho and Frank Human Rights Memorial, we use the tagline, uh, seeing me is not knowing me. Okay. Well, the audience can't see you, but I see you and I would have no hint of your story. <laughs> I would have no idea of your background. Yet it's part of who you are. It has shaped who and what you are today. How do you translate that from your own experience or the family experience with such trauma to that empathy for others? I mean, in everyday actions, um, you know, as much as my desire to truly like want to save the whole world <laughs> um, lives inside me, it's, you know, I can't. So on a daily basis, just choosing, making a choice. I mean, it's as simple as just smiling at someone. I, I mean, it just doesn't, I feel like sometimes we get caught up in thinking like, oh my gosh, and even I like, oh, I wish I could save all the children and save all the starving people. And But I can't do that. It's just one person, but it does start. I constantly remind myself what I do matters. It doesn't matter if it's just me or just one action. So it's truly just daily actions, especially again, today, what we're all going through, um, the pandemic and, and, you know, a lot of injustice. So I just feel like you never know, you never know what someone is going through. Because like you said, just by looking at me, you don't know if all of us had a bubble over our heads. I think about that. Like if all of us had bubbles over our heads, like what we're going through, like someone's in the hospital, someone's dying, someone, you know, all of these issues, which I think everybody has in their life. I feel that we would be different towards each other. Attitudes would change. So I just make that choice to be nice. Well, that's really speaking to our, our shared humanity. 
Right. That is, there is a commonality in the human story if we choose to recognize it. What do we do at those moments, though, where some folks will only focus on the differences? If I see your perceived dis- difference, maybe I don't want to engage. Maybe you're not me. Your story's not me. Your experience is not mine. And I'm going to create a block of involvement because I see only a difference rather than a shared humanity. How do we get past that? You know, that's a tough question in a way. Um, But also, I feel like everybody, you know, we can all see, I mean, thankfully to social media and everything, we can, there's no way to be blind to what's going on. Um, I do believe that some of that is a, a work that's a little bit deeper where you work on yourself, which is something that I have done as well, because I definitely, I mean, I've had racial bias too. And, you know, my, I mean, you've just heard my story, but I've actually had to recognize that and take responsibility for that. Mm -hmm. And whether that's just societal where, you know, there are jokes that are being told or whatever the case may be, I've, I've taken responsibility for that. I've, I've spoken it out loud, you know, between myself and my fiance, we've both taken responsibility and I've chosen to, to just learn more. So Mm -hmm. even though I love different cultures. I love languages. I love traveling. And I, you know, want to see as many different cultures. People are beautiful. Um, I still also have had those, you know, things yeah. where I'm like, whoa, I am totally judging this person by their race. I've done it. Mm-hmm. So I've taken responsibility. And I, it just, it feels to me personally, it just, it feels good to, to just extend that smile to someone. It feels good to help if you see someone needs help in any way. I feel like that's the first step, just trying. I mean, you can't do this without effort, right? That's That would be crazy. You have to make the effort. I feel the first step is to make any small effort that you possibly can, whether that's just a smile at Mm -hmm. someone or I don't know, whatever the case may be, if you see an opportunity, just take it. Because that'll open, I feel like that's the first step, that'll open you up. You're going to see how actually good and natural it feels. Because our nature, I do believe, is to be good and is to be there for each other, no matter who or where we're from or what skin color or whatever the case may be. But I think you've hit such an important kind of a piece, almost in the process of becoming an upstander, is your own awareness, your own self-awareness. How am I reacting in this moment? You know, I think before we make that choice to be, we have to begin to see ourselves in that. Right. Is this who I am? And what are my own biases? Where do I need to improve in my day-to-day? You know, and we're always first to say at the center, it's always a work in progress. Right. It, we are all evolving. We are all continuing. That's part of the journey. And I think in this journey, we're never done. That we'll always be examining, what can I do? What do I need to really identify within myself and how I interact with others? So I think you've really hit on a very important piece in the discussion is just starting with that self-awareness. Then, what are the acts that I contain? We actually, in the Upstander program, we use the acronym ACT, A-C-T-A, ASK. 
somebody says a word or tells a joke that is demeaning, blame to others, ask, you know, did you really understand what you said? Did you understand the import of that word or how that causes harm? The C, as we've been already talking, is it's a choice. We choose to be an upstander. And then the T, teach by example of how you lead your life. So what are the lessons you're trying to teach your son? So I, you know, I, as I started educating myself, I actually read the statistic whereby uh, age six months, a baby's already able to kind of tell differences in race, um, whether that's just by them, obviously they can't speak. So whether that's just by them witnessing like a different skin tone or whatever the case may be. And then by age four, they're already racially biased. Like they already can you know, voice certain things. Um, so even though my son is obviously born in America, he's also still half of a different culture. Now, I don't, you know, when I look at myself, I was born in Bosnia, but I also just consider myself a resident of this world. Mm -hmm. So because I love the world so much. I love being here. I'm so grateful. I've traveled, obviously. I've lived in Germany and Croatia. I just love all of it. So for me, it's like he's still part of this, you know, different culture, a little bit of different food, different language. And I, I want him to take you know, that away. Um, but I've, I've bought books. That was the actually first step because he's, you know, he's five. So, um, for me to just sit him down and be like, okay, let's talk about a race today. He's probably going to be a little confused. <laughs> so I just bought books because I feel like it's just such an easy thing, which I've already done. Um, just, Hey, mommy wants to read you this book and then he'll ask questions or if he's, he, you know, one of the books was a little confusing, um, and rightfully so, because it's about race, it's about racism, it's about, it uses all these words that he can't necessarily comprehend. Um, and so we just talk about it. Um, so that's what I've done. Um, I feel like that's the really first step. And I mean, obviously he goes to school. So, um, you know, we're not as diverse here in Idaho. Obviously I've lived in California. Um, I moved here a long time ago, but in California it was very diverse. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I mean, obviously more people. Um, and so it's a little bit easier to get um, exposed to all sorts of different races and different cultures. Um, so here it's a little bit more challenging, but that's why I feel like it is so important yes. to to do the effort myself as a parent. Um, because I, I, I do, I mean, I want him to be, if anything, I want him to be a good human being. You know, and Adina, you've just hit on what becomes so core to the work of the WASMA Center for Human Rights. That's where we see our mission, our role in education, that if we are not aware of the dignity and the diversity that exists around us, how do we begin to introduce? How do we begin to talk about? How do we begin to appreciate? And sometimes when we don't have a readily apparent broad spectrum of diversity, I think it becomes even more important because I think what you've just said, it is finding that core of our humanity, finding that core of what we all share together. And certainly with students, we're trying to prepare them for a world that may not keep them living within a bubble of Idaho, <laughs> that there is a much larger world. And are we preparing them for that too? where they will, in fact, encounter some that are viewed as the other. Right. And how can, you know, we like to think in our programming, there's got to be a point where the them have become us. 
Right. Yeah. Right. Um, well, and I feel, you know, obviously being through and moving through a couple of different countries until I arrived here in the USA, <clears throat> you know, and then being here and watching our country, you know, I've been here for now, I think it's 22 years, um, and watching our country even go through the wars and stuff. So we're so like, we have to look at it like we're so big as a country. And I mean, yeah, we have this amazing army and all of this that protect our freedoms. We don't really feel it. Whereas for me, every time our country was here going through stuff, I it was very different for me because I've been through it. So I feel like as you know, I don't want to sound cliche, but it's like put try to at least for a moment, just think what if all of a sudden tomorrow you had to pack up your kids and just leave everything behind. Because that's what my mom had to do by herself. And she was she was 30, 31. So I'm even older than that now. But I just imagine, you know, I had my son at 30. And it's like, what if I just had to run for my life tomorrow? So we don't, we don't feel like what we see in America is, oh, the immigrants are coming. But we don't see their stories. What are they running from? Um, and so a lot of these, we have a lot of subjects, you know, that we're going through. I just have a little bit of a different perspective because even though, yes, my family arrived here and we had family here that was already here and they sent us the necessary paperwork, etc. I also feel like, you know, to understand the rage, if you, if you don't under, like, what am I trying to say here? If you are kind of like, what's everybody doing? Why is everybody so upset? It's because you've never understood rage or had to run for your life. And the only way that, you know, like even people out there on the streets um, protesting and all of that, it's because there's they're so desperate. There's nothing else to do. Um, and again, I'm not, you know, saying it's all right. But at the same time, even in, in where I'm from, where I was born, my other country, they're, you know, they're protesting too. So all around the world right now, what we're seeing is, People are just so done. I mean, they're outraged. I mean, things are still not right. People are fighting to feed their families. And so a lot of the times we don't see that here. We don't feel it because we're so big and we have all these resources at hand. And even though there's still, you know, even some people in this country that are hungry, which is sad. But so just keeping that perspective, I mean, where I'm from, it's like you can barely see it on a map. So it's a small country. Um, I'm, I'm just so grateful to be here, but I'm really always aware of, of, you know, of the other, even though I was the other at some point, but mm -hmm. now there are the other others, yes. you know, to me. So, so yeah. And it's in those moments we ask ourselves, now, what am I going to do? Right. Adina, thank you for joining us. This has been the Voices of Idaho. I'm Executive Director of the Wasma Center for Human Rights, Dan Prinzing, and with us, Adam Thompson. Hey there. Thank you. Thank you. All right, cool. Well, before we close out, huge thank you to Adina for coming on the podcast and hitting on so many really important points um, and so eloquently, too. And, uh, of course, as always, if you are a musician or you know a musician who might want to submit some music that's related to being an upstander for our podcast, please contact us at info at um, I thought that Kevin Arnsman Frontline Workers song was just great. Um, okay, well, excellent. We'll have another episode up on the 15th. And until then, don't forget to vote. All right. We'll see you next time. Can we walk? 
this road together I can't travel it alone I need someone beside me To help me find my way back home Cause this world is full of anger I've been walking through some pain So if we walk this road together We can find our way back home again It's a home of many colors No ceilings and no walls there is room for all our brothers With no graffiti in the halls We can share this road together So if you walk with me, my friend With you right here Beside me, we'll find a home with peace again. It's a home of many colors, no ceilings and no walls, but there is room for all our brothers with no graffiti in. We can share this world together So if you walk with me, my friend With you right here beside me We'll find our home with peace again